Well, in Islamic eschatology, that is the doctrine of last things in this world, there is the teaching of the Madai. He is a savior that will return prior to the end of the world and the wrap up of the judgment day. In the year somewhere around 1844, a young man called Sayyid Ali Muhammad, he arose in Iran to proclaim that the day of God awaited by all religions had come. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher, and we thank you for this opportunity to share the gospel to tell you more of the way of the cross, the way of redemption by the blood of Jesus. Now, over these weeks, we're looking at a number of various false religions, various religions in the world, and we want to compare them with Christianity. And, uh, of course, we see that these religions really are incompatible. Now, one religion that uh, is not so commonly known about is the religion of Baha'i. I took an interest in this because when I was growing up as a boy in the north of Ireland, I often saw newspaper adverts in the paper for this religion of Baha'i, and it tweaked my curiosity, but I never really understood what it was about. Here in Surrey, right here in British Columbia, uh, not very far from our church, uh, there is an office of the Baha'i, at least an information center, and um, I, I decided to look into it. I decided that uh, this is something we need to know what they're doing, who they are, and what they're up to, and how does it compare with true biblical Christianity. And uh, this is healthy because it helps us uh, to really assess what is the, the uh, unique significance of the way of the cross, the way of redemption by blood. And do these uh, religions have a savior and any hope of salvation? The Baha'i movement is really a breakaway from Islam. Uh, their headquarters is in Haifi, uh, the, in Israel. Uh, they were put out of Arab-speaking countries uh, many years ago. And then, of course, they found a footing in North America, uh, but we'll give a bit of a, a, a history uh, in the introduction of our message here today, and I, I want you to stay tuned with us. It, it will be of help as we seek to uh, fortify ourselves against the many religions that are crowding in on Christianity, and we need to take our stand. We need to stand up for the Lord Jesus as never before. We can only do this with the weapons of truth, and righteousness and prayer. And of course, we need to pray that God will bring these people to a true knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Now, I hope today the Lord will give you a burden for that. Stay tuned with us, and then we'll have our closing to him. There is a fountain. Now we turn to Baha'ism, part one. Now, tonight our interest is in the Baha'i faith, and you may be asking, why in the world is Ian Golliher, a free Presbyterian minister, going to speak about Baha'i people that are in that particular faith. This is a Persian religion. It is emanates from Iran. It is a breakaway of Muslimism. And uh, probably not everybody here has bumped into 
a Baha'i person. So why this interest? Well, it's partly due to the fact that if you ever drive along King George Highway and look along 100 Avenue, you will see the Baha'i Information Center. And I must say that I have seen that a number of times and asked, what is that all about? It's also partly due that when I was growing up as a boy, there was in our hometown advertisements in our newspaper where the Baha'i meetings were being held. Now, when I was growing up, anybody that I knew was either a Protestant or a Catholic, and a Baha'i must have been somebody from an outer space. And there's always been this interest in who they are and what they teach. And yet, there are Baha'i people in 230 countries around the world, including Brazil, as I found out today, having had lunch with Roger and his family, that this cult or this religion is so far spread around the world. Now, we all know about the militancy of Islam, but the Baha'i faith is very subtle, and it seeks to operate with few defined boundaries, and of course, it appeals to the Canadian temperament of toleration. And if you want to be popular in our country, just pump the idea of toleration for all things and all faiths. Now, another reason is that the Baha'i religion promote the idea of a one-world religion. And of course, that's a growing concept, not only in our nation, but around the world. And it seems to be something that is very popular in Roman Catholicism. The Church of Rome wants to push this idea of one world religion. And many Protestants are also buying into the idea of a one world religion. So these are my reasons for taking up the subject tonight of the Baha'i faith. How did it all begin? Well, in Islamic eschatology, that is the doctrine of last things in this world, there is the teaching of the Madai. He is a savior that will return prior to the end of the world and the wrap up of the judgment day. In the year somewhere around 1844, a young man called Sayyid Ali Muhammad, he arose in Iran to proclaim that the day of God, awaited by all religions, had come. And he called himself the Bab, meaning the gate. His teachings shook the countries of the Middle East to their core. This was a radical element of Islamic teaching and... Uh, this really took off. And this ally, Muhammad, latterly known as the Bab, became one of the sorest thorns in Islamic religion and culture. And so, as usual, they responded to the threat of this new teacher and this new slant on religion by executing him. 
and by a mass murder of many, many of his followers. It wasn't until later in 1863 that a man arose who had been a disciple of that person known as the Bab. This person was called Baha'u'llah. And he proclaimed that he was the one that the Bab, that former religious prophet, had prophesied who would come as the Messiah of the Islamic world. He claimed to be chosen of God and the promised one of all the prophets. Now, he persevered, but died in the land of Palestine at the age of 75. The Baha'i religion is based upon the writings of this man, Baha'u'llah, who was really a prolific writer, and there are over a hundred volumes. You know, Christianity has one book. Mormons, they have two books or more. Most religions have a few sets of writings. But in the Baha'i religion, there are over a hundred volumes of the writings of one man. And there became a man known as Shoghi Enfendi, who became the protector, the guardian of those writings, and to some, the infallible interpreter of those writings. And so you end up with two sources of infallibility. One, the writings of this Baha'u'llah, and then the interpreter, Shoghi Enfendi. And thus, the Baha'i people are locked into a faith based upon these religious writings. Now, the Baha'i people over the years have been greatly persecuted. They've been driven from their homeland in Iran, from other Islamic countries, and they really found their new home in Israel. And their headquarters today is in Haifa, at the foot of Mount Carmel. And there they have a very ornate, beautiful property with a temple-like structure where the body of their founder and writings are maintained. They claim, that claim is made, that that is the headquarters of five million Baha'i people around the world. And in Canada, the Baha'i community is made up of some 30,000 Canadians with a special appeal to native peoples, both native First Nations, Inuit people. 18% of Baha'i people are of that background. Around 30% are refugees and immigrants that come from other countries. And then there are, of course, the whole mosaic of Canadians of all manner of backgrounds who are drawn to the Baha'i religion. They now have a Canadian headquarters in Markham, Ontario, property in Ontario, and in various other places. Now, the focus of Baha'ism is often popularized as the oneness of God, the oneness of religion, and the oneness of humanity. The Baha'i, of course, seek to score by promoting unity 
amongst world religions and world politics. They actually have non-voting representatives in the United Nations seeking to have an influence there. They are involved in discussions about world citizenship, environmental issues, and they claim that they want to unite under the banner of Baha'ism all people's religions of the world. Now, the typical meeting of a Baha'i uh, fellowship uh, is a home meeting. And they have four different types of meeting. One for children, just run like a children's meeting, children's classes, junior youth groups, devotional gatherings where they read the writings of their founder and literature, and then they have study circles, which is really their evangelistic thrust to prepare people to go out and disseminate and evangelize the faith. And if you join the Baha'i ranks, there will be a lot of pressure to promote and grow this religion around the world. Now, as I said, they are very successful at reaching First Nations people, refugees, immigrants, and people of all religions. And one of the reasons for that is that according to their teaching, they accept nine principal religious leaders. I'm going to give you a list. Moses, Buddha, Zoroaster, Confucius, Christ, Muhammad, Krishna, Lo, a black American prophet, and then, of course, the ninth, the last, Baha'u'llah, who happens to be the last, final prophet of them all. Now, um, all are said to be equal manifestations of the divine mind. But it's a bit like Animal Farm, where although all the animals were equal, somehow the pigs became much more equal than all the others. And in Baha'ism, while they will speak about equality, they do say that their founder, their prophet, Baha'u'llah, is the top and the final word. Now let's get to gospel issues. I want to give you two questions. These were put to Baha'i teachers by Dr. Walter Martin. You can read of this in his book, The Kingdom of the Cults. And he had an extensive interview of a good number of questions. And I'm only going to give you two of them tonight, two questions and answers concerning the very heart of what we call biblical Christianity. Number one, do you in Baha'ism believe in the Holy Trinity? Now, I hope after all these weeks that we've been teaching on religions and cults and Christianity, we started with the Nicene Creed, the defense of the doctrine of the Trinity. I hope you remember the one key word upon which Athanasius fought the battle of the, the doctrine of the Trinity. Homo usios, meaning three persons, one nature. Now here's the question put to the biasts about the Trinity. Their answer is this. If by the Trinity you mean the Christian concept that the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit 
are all one God? The answer is no. Second question. Is Jesus Christ the only manifestation of deity? That is, is he to be believed when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? How would a biased answer that? Here's his answer. No, we believe that he was only one of nine manifestations of the divine being and appeared in his era of time to illumine those who lived at that time. Today, Baha'u'llah is the source of revelation. Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life for his time, but not for all time. Abdul Baha points out that we are to honor all the prophetic voices, not just one of them. He said, Christ was the prophet of the Christian, Moses of the Jews. Why should not the followers of each prophet recognize and honor the other prophet? Unity? Equality? One world religion? Is it possible? Is it likely? In a later response to that interview, which Dr. Martin put into an edition of his book, which was examined by the Baha'is, they came back with this. Speaking in defense of Baha'ism, they agreed that the centrality of the cross in Christian religion is considered heresy by the enlightened Baha'i. That's a recorded documented response. And so we see that the Baha'i religion claims to be followers of the Lord Jesus, but he's an outdated Lord Jesus, dated to his day. And we really are wasting our time now following the teachings of the Lord Jesus, because another prophet has arisen. And of course, the cross is an heretical notion that is to be abandoned. Here's a word from a man called Robert Ingersoll. He was an agnostic, but he had this perceptive note. He said that if this religion is true, that is, Christianity is true, then there is only one Savior, only one narrow path to life, and Christianity cannot live in peace with any other religion. That's why Christians, Bible believers, are called people of the way, the narrow way. And our Lord Jesus taught that narrow is the way to heaven. Broad is the way to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Now I ask you tonight, what way are you walking in? Is it a way that denies the cross? Or is it a way that leads you as a sinner to come to Calvary, to look up and see the dying form of the Son of God, to look at those nail prints in his hands, the thorns that crushed his brow, the very wound that was in his side, to gaze upon his blood and say, there's no mercy here. There's no pardon here. There's no love of God here. That is to destroy everything that we understand of the heart of God when he so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. And Baha'i faith would ask us to dismiss that. For this tomb of Arabic writings of Abba Bula. Now I want to take up tonight a single issue. I have dealt, I think, with a little bit of the history, a little bit of where they're coming from and who they are. I have dealt a little bit with the gospel issue. But I want to take up what I see as the main platform of the Baha'i religion, that is, one world religion, unity of religions. And it is that concept that I wish to address this evening because the Bible has a lot to say about it. It has a whole lot to say about it. And there are three main passages that I want us to examine in the Bible and ask this question. Is it the will of God that we be followers of a one united world religion? Firstly, John 17, the chapter that we read tonight, and I'd like to bring you to the verse 21. John 17 and verse 21. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now many, many have run off with the idea that the word all here is every single religionist in the world. All men, women, worshippers of whatever deity, whatever God they have, that it is the will of God that all be one. I have heard ecumenists who say that we should be uniting with various religions. And they use this verse as the prayer of the Lord Jesus to his Father, that they all may be one. This is an example of what we learned a week ago about Bible interpretation, that we need to read the Bible in context. Who are these all of verse 21? Well, if you read verse 20, Jesus prayed, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You'll notice that the word all is restricted to all those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All those that come to accept him as their Lord and Savior. This is not a text for syncretism. Now that might be a new word to you. Syncretism is the notion that we should unite all religions and all faiths into one. In the World Council of Churches, they unite. And you'll notice it's not the World Council of Christian Churches. It's left broader than that. In the World Council of Churches, they will get together with indigenous peoples. They will get together with people of other faiths. And they will seek to unite. Dialogue, find a way, common ground. And they use this text, John 17, 21, to make out that it was the thing for which the Lord Jesus prayed, that they all may be one. 
Now, this is very far from the proper meaning of the prayer of our Lord Jesus recorded in this passage. If you look at verse 17, you will notice our Lord Jesus prayed, Sanctify them through thy truth. What does the word sanctify mean? It means to purify. It means to set apart. Call them out of their sin. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And again in verse 19, For their sakes I sanctified myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So the all of verse 21 is all who have heard the truth, received the truth, and have been sanctified. That means they have been made holy. That means the pagan has given up his idols. The immoral person has given up his shameful practices. The devotee of false gods and false worship have turned to the Lord Jesus and believed on him. And Jesus prays that they all may be one. religion of Baha'ism, and we will have part two tomorrow. I trust you'll join with us as again we let the Bible speak. Now I'm holding my hand the little book, World Religions Made Easy, 64-page ready reference booklet that we will send to you $5 in the mail if you contact us here on our website, email, or phone. And we'll give you all those details right now in our announcements. I want to sincerely thank you for joining with us here in this program. And uh, tomorrow, I trust you'll be with us again as we look at part two of the Baha'i religion. And join us, please, and let others know we're on the air tomorrow this time. And may the Lord bless you and be with you until... You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.